Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. I am, I am anxious to preach the word of the Lord to you today. Not a sermon, a message. We need to hear a message from God to the church. Amen? Amen. So today, don't shoot the messenger. He's only delivering the message. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 35, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. How many of you brought your Bibles today? And then John 5 and 39, search the scriptures. What scriptures was he referring to? There is no New Testament. He's referring to what we call the Old Testament. And he says, search the Old Testament, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify, not of three, but of me. The God that's being talked about in the Old Testament, he declares, here I am. Now I'm wearing a body. And I wanna preach to you this morning, this message. Do I believe as the scripture says? Do I believe as the scripture says? God bless you, you may be seated. I believe today in America that religion is being sold at below market value. I believe things are being preached that are contrary to the scripture. I believe it is dangerous to have a little bit of truth and be satisfied with it and never be willing to search the scriptures and find out how I can have eternal life and how I can know the me, which is Jesus. We should never settle for anything less than the truth. When they swear people in in a courtroom, they say, do you promise to tell the truth? The whole truth. And nothing but the truth. So help you God. Folks, we need to tell the truth. The whole truth. And nothing but the truth. So help us God. Preach the scriptures. Preach the scriptures. I've asked Brother Cordell today to read, uh, be my reader, and you can follow him along. I'll tell you where they are, and then he'll read to them. John 7, 37 through 39, Brother Cordell. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, 
for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. How should we believe on him? How did he require us to believe on him? He said, as the scripture, as the scripture has said. And when we do, because of our belief, as the scripture hath said, he promised the Holy Ghost. What a promise to those that will believe as the scripture says. Mark 16 and 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. If we're believers, if we're scriptural believers, if we're Bible believers, then we should receive the Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Can I get an amen? Amen. We don't need to make excuses. Well, you know, Jesus did it back then, but he doesn't do it anymore. My Bible said he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the promise is unto you and to your children and those that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. He does not change, and we should not change his word or our belief as to what the scripture says we can have. Let me give you a few examples Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts chapter 10, 44 through 46. The Gentiles. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Good, stop right there. This is the first time that anybody other than a Jew has received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. When it talks about the circumcision, which Brother Cordell just read, he's saying, according to what we learned in the Old Testament, and now what we have experienced in the New, we didn't think this was possible for the Gentiles. How did they know that they had received the Holy Ghost? For they heard them speak with tongues the same way that they had on the day of Pentecost. So now the Gentiles, that means all of us, all religions, all faiths, all have the same opportunity to receive a scriptural infilling of the Holy Ghost. Can I get an amen? Amen. Acts 19 and 6. And when Paul had laid, laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. I've given you three. I can give you more. We could go on all day with this. But when people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in the scriptures, they spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Do you want a scriptural infilling of the Holy Ghost? Or will you satisfy, be satisfied with below market value? We need to do whatever the word and Jesus have told us through that word. Whatever he says. The first miracle that ever happened was when Jesus turned the water into wine. John chapter two and verse number five will tell you what Mary told them concerning the miracle. His mother saith unto the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. 
There it is. Now I'm taking this out of context. Whatever Jesus tells you to do, and whatever he confirms in his word, do it without hesitation, without putting it on hold, without waiting for bells to ring or a physical manifestation to come into your bedroom. Whatever he tells you to do, do it and do it now. Because today is the day of salvation. Amen. That's right. And when they did what Jesus told them to do, that's when he performed the miracle. If you're waiting for a miracle, if you're waiting for a miracle in your life, God's waiting for you to obey him. He's waiting for you to obey him. He is the author of eternal salvation to them that obey him. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Luke 6, 46. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. Praise God. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. The storms come to all houses in this illustration, both houses. The only difference is that one of them was built upon a strong foundation, the rock, and the rock is Jesus Christ. Because other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. If he's not your foundation, it's only a question of time before your house falls. But if you're built on him, and you're built on what he says, and you've done what he told you to do, no storm can knock down your house. No problem that comes against you can defeat you because you are founded upon the rock. And that rock is Christ. But if you hear a message that comes from God and comes from his word and you ignore it, well, that was, that was pretty good preaching. I, you know, I enjoyed it. But you don't do anything. You're built on sand. You're built on sand. And don't you dare call him Lord again. Hey, I, don't get mad at me. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord? You don't do the things I say. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. John chapter three and verse number five, Jesus gave instruction to Nicodemus, a ruler. Listen to what he said in John three and five. Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. I have yet to meet anybody that said that they wanted to go to hell. I insist I asked God to send me to hell. I've never met anybody like that. I've met all kinds of people that have said, oh, I believe I'm going to heaven. Well, wait a minute now. Jesus said, except a man is born of the water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Does that sound like it's optional to you? 
Is this a multiple choice test or is it not just a test of true or false? See, God doesn't give multiple choice. It's just true or false. And if he says you must be born of the water and spirit or you can't enter the kingdom of God, he's not gonna change his mind. One of us is gonna have to change and it's not gonna be him. So do you believe on him as the scripture has said or has somebody convinced you that this is not necessary? You can just pick and choose certain verses of scriptures and hold on to them and ignore all the rest. I go back to my first question. Do we believe as the scripture says? <clears throat> John chapter 8, 31 through 32. <clears throat> then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Wow, there it is. Aren't you glad for the truth? You gotta hear this. This is one of the most important things I can say to you today. Buy the truth and sell it not. Continue in the truth. Well, I started out. You know what? There's a lot of people that started out. And some of them aren't here today. But Jesus said, if you continue in my word, Aren't you glad that Acts chapter two says, and they continued in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. We need to continue. It's not just start and quit, stop and go backward. It's continue. Continue in the truth, and the truth will make you free. But the truth has an expense. It's not free. We're gonna talk about that now. So I'm gonna ask you some questions here today. And I'm gonna ask you to consider the scripture rather than your previous feelings. And, and I know if you're a visitor here today, I know exactly how you feel. I remember coming uh, to an apostolic church for the first time and hearing things and experiencing things I'd never experienced before. I was raised in a denominal church by parents that didn't give me the option about going to Sunday school or going to church on Sundays. That's mandatory. That's, we're not even gonna discuss that. And I'm so glad they did because you know why? I was taught in that denominal church that the Bible is the inspired word of God. But the problem was I was only taught certain aspects of the Bible. A lot was left out. So when I came to an apostolic church, I was loaded for bear. I was ready to pull both six guns and fight because I thought that this worship was irreverent until I saw what the scripture requires of worship. Are you concerned about what the scripture requires of worship? What if I told you that the Bible says, oh, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph? What if you could see that in the scriptures? Would you worship as the scripture declares? What if I could show you in the word of God that it says, I would that men would pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands? 
What if I showed you that in the scripture? Would that make a difference in what you thought God wanted from you in worship? Would that change your attitude? What if I showed you in the scripture how to be saved, how to have your sins washed away, how to be filled with the Holy Ghost according to the scripture? Would that make a difference in your life? So I ask this first question. Do I believe in a mystery God? Or do I believe in a scriptural God? 1 Timothy 3 and 16. Controversy. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. Only one person can fulfill this verse of scripture. You got a mystery? Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't know who Jesus is. I think he's the second person of a committee. I, I think this, I think that. Wait, 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 wait. Let's, let's take the eraser out and start over, okay? Because we've learned some things that are not scriptural. We've been taught some things that are not biblical. What if we get the eraser out and say, let's start over and let's put on the board only what the scripture says. Let's ask God for revelation as to who he is and what his will is for our lives, even if it's not what we thought it was. Could we start over God? Because there's a lot of people that are living in a mystery And Paul is actually being facetious to Timothy when he speaks to him. Oh, great is the mystery of godliness. Let me spell it out for you. God was manifest in the flesh. Preached unto the Gentiles. Believed on in the world. And received up into glory. It doesn't take a genius to figure out Only Jesus can fulfill that, and that makes him God. So the mystery's gone. God was manifest in the flesh. Not a part of God. God. God wore flesh. So do you believe in a mystery God? Well, I can't explain it. Well, then search the scriptures and ask God to reveal it to you. Let me ask you another question. Do I believe in a philosophical God? What what philosophy means is, philosophy is what you think. Well, this is what I think God is. This is how I think God thinks. This is how I think God judges. That's all a bunch of philosophy. And everybody's got an opinion. You know, I'll just share this with you. Many of you know that my sister has been uh, in the hospital. She was, uh, had a, has a disease that causes her stomach to, to grow and fill with fluid. She has been, and I won't mention the hospital, she has, had been in the hospital 21 days before they finally released her and said, we don't know what's wrong with you. We can't figure it out. We were convinced that that you had cancer, but we can't find any cancer anywhere in your body. And I remember sitting down with my brother-in-law, Chris, and, and the doctor came in and he said, 
Well, I'm just going to tell you guys, Linda has cancer. And this is where I think it is, and this is what I think is going to happen to her. And, and I said, time out, doctor. I said, I, I don't want to be rude. Uh, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I got to tell you something. Where's your proof? Show me the pictures from the tests that you've taken that prove what you are saying. Well, he said, I, I, well, I can't do that. I, it's just based upon my experience and what I think. And I said, time out again. I don't care what you think. I care about what you know. And I, I, maybe I'm saving somebody here today from a diagnosis that might come to you in the future where a doctor's gonna say, well, I think, sir, or I think, ma'am, that you have this problem. Be kind when you say it, but make it clear that you don't care what they think. And I gotta be honest with you, this, what do you know? We need to be the same way with our faith. I don't care what you think. What do you know? What can you prove? What is your faith built upon? Is it built upon a church? Is it built upon a pastor? Is it built upon, well, I like going to this church because I got a lot of friends and a lot of, a, a lot of buddies in that church and I've been raised in it. Is that why you're going to church? Are you going because the presence of the Lord is there and you came to worship and you know that when you come to church, you're gonna hear a biblical message, not a philosophical, not a traditional, not a rudiments of the world. We're not gonna hear about the economics of the country or the politics of the country, we're going to hear the word of the Lord. God's got a message for us, and I need to hear what God says and what he thinks. What does God think? What does God know? I want to hear God speak to me. Colossians 2, 8 through 9. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. There's who you need to go to. Go to the one with the fullness. Now there are four things that are not scriptural in verse 8. Philosophy, which I've mentioned. Vain deceit, which is just a kind way of saying lying. Traditions of this world, well, we've done it that way because we've always done it that way. Well, why do you do it that way? Because we've always done it that way. That's the way we do it. Well, why do you do it that way? Well, because my parents did it that way. And my grandparents and, and their parents. That's a tradition. And the rudiments of the world are, well, that this is what the world tells us. Again, do we believe as the scripture says? Or are we philosophical? Being lied to? Traditional? Or just plain worldly? Now I'm going to tread into deep water. I've laid my foundation. 
Let me ask you, what do you believe about salvation? What do you think the Lord requires of you? Now, I, I'm, not, I'm not putting anybody down. I'm just making a point here. Well, here's what we're going to do today. If you haven't accepted Jesus, we're going to ask you to stand up, and I'm, I'm going to read this card, and I want you to repeat after me. You just, you just repeat what I say. Now you're saved. Hey, we just want you to know that if you'll believe in Jesus today and make him your personal savior, you can leave here and live any way you want, do anything you want, because you're going to heaven. Isn't that a great deal? Do you, oh, isn't Jesus so excited to have you accept him? Boy, Jesus, I'm, I'm going to do you a favor today. I'm going to accept you. I'm going I'm to believe in you oh, to a certain point. I ain't buying it, folks. It's not in the scripture. I remember one of my preacher buddies got on a plane one time. He had a long flight, and he sat down next to a young man, and the young, young man said, Sir, he said, have you accepted Jesus as your personal Savior? And the preacher acted dumb. He said, well, I'm wondering if you could show me that in the scripture. And the young man said, sure. So he fumbled around in his Bible and kept fumbling around and finally said, well, I, I can't find it. And the preacher said, well, you can't find it because it ain't there. And then the preacher said, but I've got a question for you. Has Jesus accepted you? And how do you know? Because the Bible said we are sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. And when God puts the seal on you, that's when you know. It's not about us accepting Jesus. It's about us obeying Jesus. Just obedience. Well, you know, when I was a child, my parents had me baptized as an infant. Please, I'm not trying to offend people today, but I am preaching the truth. My parents had me baptized as an infant. You know how I know? Because they told me. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't make any, I didn't say anything to Jesus before I got baptized. I didn't say I was sorry. I, I didn't repent. I didn't even know what believing was. None of that took place in my life. But my parents, because of the tradition of the church, said, we're going to do this. That's okay. But I'm not eight days old anymore. I'm a man, or a young man, or a teenager. And I know what the scripture says is required of me before I'm baptized. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. And you, if you're old enough to believe and you're old enough to repent, are old enough to obey. And you gotta make that decision for you. 
Getting pretty quiet in here now. You don't need to go back to your parents and say, you messed me up. You go back to your parents and say, thank you. Thank you for taking me to Sunday school, teaching me that I should believe in the word of God. Now I've got something I want to share with you from the word of God, which we both believe in. So let's do things as the scripture says, instead of the traditional values that we were taught. Do you believe in scriptural giving? Oh, now it's really going to get quiet. You know, a lot of people, this is what they believe in. They believe in leftover giving. The first thing I do, well, I don't have any control over it, is I give Caesar his. They take that right out of my check. 25 to 30% Caesar gets. And then, then I pay my bills, and then I have some things I'd like to have, and the rest is leftovers. The problem is, by the time I get through all that other stuff, I don't have much left over. So I decided that I would join Pentecost. And I would give pennies to Jesus. That way it doesn't cost me as much. So I'm, I'm Pentecost. I better be careful. My precious secretary, I, I really appreciate my secretary. And she was, Sister Unz is a great secretary to me. Let's give Sister Unz a great hand. Now she doesn't do the book, she doesn't take a look at the tithes and the offerings and things, but her responsibility at the end of the year is to send out a statement to each of you for tax purposes so that you can get more money. And she said, she said this to Brother Cordell. We were in the office one day and she said, you know, I think this church needs a soup kitchen. Brother Cordell said, a soup kitchen? What are you, what are you talking about? We ha- are you talking about a food pantry? Well, no, no, we already have a food pantry. No, she said, I... I, I couldn't help but notice when I put some of those things in the envelope, some of these people are living on $250 a year. We gotta do something to help them. Doesn't she have a great spirit? We gotta do something to help them. I give a dollar a week every couple weeks. Do you believe in scriptural giving? We'll see. We'll see. Do you believe in tithing? Old Testament, you say, well, I don't believe in the Old Testament. I believe in the New Testament, so I don't tithe. Well, you need to read Matthew 23, 23. Jesus said, don't leave that undone. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, but you better give to God what is God's. What is God's? If you're a New Testament giver, then bring your deed to church and lay it at the apostles' feet and because they sold their houses and their lands. 
and divided all their possessions so that nobody in the congregation went without. So which kind of giving do you believe in? Tithing, giving, or penny cost? Okay, that's enough. First Samuel chapter 15. Now, let me say this before Brother Cordell reads. God spoke to Samuel, the prophet. And he said, Samuel, I want you to go to Saul and you tell him that I remember what the Amalekites did to my people and now I'm going to execute judgment through him. You tell him that he's to go to the Amalekites and genocide them. Kill them all. Men, women, children, all the animals, everything. Kill it. Everything. I don't know that Saul liked the command, or maybe he did. Maybe he didn't like the Amalekites, and here was his opportunity to wipe them out. So he goes on his journey, and then he returns from his journey, and here's what happens in 1 Samuel 15, 19 through 24. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. One more. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Here's what I think happened. Let me, let me walk you through the story as I think it could have happened. I know the results in case you're thinking about thinking versus knowing. They are killing the Amalekites. And they're about ready to kill all the animals. And one guy comes up to Saul and said, Saul, you're a great king. You've got great wisdom. I represent a faction, a group of your people, and I am their spokesman. Now listen to what I say, that you will retain your high rating in the Gallup poll. Don't kill the animals. Because we can take the animals and sacrifice them to the Lord and save our own animals. We spend a lot of money raising these animals. These animals are very valuable to us. Why should we kill what we've put so much money into when we can take their animals and sacrifice them, and they'll be accepted of God. They're animals. 
And remember, I'm not the only one that's saying this. Saul got to thinking, well, I want to be popular with the people. You know, we got a lot of preachers that want to be popular. My goal is, not my goal, but some people's goals, I want to be on TV. I want to have a church of thousands. I want to have the biggest church in town. So I listen to the people and they tell me how we can bring that to pass. We take all the worldly ideas because the more money we got and the more people we got, the more recognition we'll have. And if we have to cut a corner here or change a doctrine there, let's do it for the sake of growth and numbers. I want you to know you're in an apostolic church today. Nobody's backing up. Nobody's backing down. Nobody's changing anything. We will continue in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and of giving. We will continue to believe that people will still receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. We won't make it easy because we're not the one that baptizes them anyhow. Don't compromise. Don't back up. So he listened to that faction. And then Agag, Agag came along and said, whoa, one king to another. What about executive privilege? I mean, if, if we were destroying you, I'd let you live, Saul. That's what kings do. That's not what God said, because God is no respecter of persons. Can I get an amen? Amen. God is no respecter of persons. Whether you're the king or the president, doesn't matter. The word of the Lord is the same for you. I'll tell you another story. True story. We have a man in our ranks, Brother Mangan, Alexandria, Louisiana. When President Clinton was the president of the United States, they got to be friends. President Clinton would come to Alexandria periodically for certain events. You may have even seen some of them on YouTube. And he would ask Brother Mangan's counsel. Didn't always take it, but he asked for it. And Brother Mangan told us a story one time at Because of the Times. He said, I had an event where President and Mrs. Clinton were in our church, and after church I invited them into my office with my family, all of my children and my grandchildren were present. And I told President Clinton and Mrs. Clinton, this is the plan of salvation, and I walked them through it point by point by point. And I asked them if they understood, and they said that they did, but they never obeyed, and they left. Would you like to know the reason that I did that? Not just for President and Mrs. Clinton. I did it for my children and my grandchildren and most importantly for my God because God is no respecter of persons. The plan is the same whether you're the President of the United States or the poorest man in America. Your children are watching. 
Continue in the doctrine. Don't compromise, don't cheat, don't lie, don't respect people, love people and be kind to people, but don't respect them to the point that you change what you believe to fit in in a popularity poll. Don't do it. Here's, here's the other point I want to make. You say, well, that's, that's, really, that's really good preaching, Brother Kylie. I'm really glad to learn about Saul and Samuel. Now let me talk, about, talk to you about you. I want you to know before you leave this place today, besides all that I've told you, and I want you to search the scripture for yourself, there is not one person in the entire Bible that was ever baptized as an infant. Not one. I want you to know that in the scripture, there is not one person that can believe and that can repent that was ever sprinkled rather than being immersed or that was ever baptized in the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. They were all baptized in the name of Jesus. And that's the only way they were ever baptized. That's why there's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. There's one God. That's what the scripture says. I told you, it's not multiple choice. It's true or false. But verse 24 is what I want you to leave here with today. Why did you do that, Saul? Why did you do that? Did you read it? Did you hear what Brother Cordell said? Two reasons. Because I feared the people and I obeyed their voice. The only other voice he had heard prior to that was the voice that came from God through Samuel. So he had to make a choice. The man of God told me this, and the people told me this, and I had to make a choice. And I was more afraid of the people than I was of God. And so I chose to listen to their voice rather than God's voice. Are you hearing me today? Well, you know, I can't be baptized in Jesus' name. My parents told me that I've already been baptized. And I don't want to hurt my parents' feelings. And I don't want to go against tradition. You fear the people. You fear the people more than you fear God. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Fear not him who can destroy the body. Fear him who has power over both body and soul. You're fearing the wrong one. You're listening to the wrong voice. And even the scripture says, there are many voices in the world and none of them is without signification. Which voice are you going to listen to? What is your faith built upon? Do we believe as the scripture or as man and woman? There should not be one person. This might be your only service at Abundant Life.
There should not be one person that ever leaves this place not knowing the plan of salvation. Not having the opportunity to believe, repent, be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins, and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Not one has an excuse. Last point. Let's go to Revelations 20, Brother Cordell. Revelations 20. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and the death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Please stop there. Let's stand together. You know how you're going to be judged? As the scriptures. You know when he talked about this book? He opened the books, it said. If you've got a Bible, wave it just for a second. There it is. Okay, now hear this. Life, you can put them down now. Life is a classroom. The Holy Spirit is the teacher. And we all will be tested. The books that were just lifted up, you said, well, that's just one book. No, that's 66 books. That's 39 books of Old Testament, 27 books of the New Testament. And if you want to know how you're going to be judged, heaven and earth will pass away. My word will not pass away. So he opens the books and he judges us based upon the scriptures. Nobody will stand next to you. If you're a man and you're married, no wife, just you and God. Wife, no husband, children, no parents, no excuses. Here's what my word says. I gave you a conscience. I sent people to you. They tried to share with you the scriptures. And you obeyed other voices. And you feared the people more than you feared me. Last verse, 15. Not found, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So when that judgment is finished, he grabs another book. It's called the book of life. And he opens it up. I want to see him read it. Richard Allen Kiley. February the 28th, 1973. You took my name in the waters of baptism. That's when I put your name in the book. And you continued 
You finished your course. You kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for you a crown of righteousness, which the righteous judge will give, the righteous judge will give at that day. So do you believe as the scriptures say? Let's just lift our hands for a moment and thank him for his word. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for truth. Thank you for life and life more abundantly. Thank you for relationship instead of religion. Thank you for faith instead of fear. Thank you for strength instead of weakness. Thank you for provision instead of poverty. Thank you for health instead of sickness. Thank you for unity instead of division. Thank you for truth. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.